0: turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy 14. Deuteronomy 14, and we'll be reading verses 22 through 29. Let's hear the word of the Lord. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, You shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses, to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, And the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. So far the reading of God's word. Beloved in the Lord, our reading today pictures God as a great king, a great king who is receiving gifts from his people. Gifts because he is the king who brings peace. If you read the book of Esther, you see the same sort of picture at the beginning, at the end of the book. The great king Ahasuerus brings peace to the empire of Persia. And from the gifts his people provide to the king, that brings peace. He gives all the nations of the Persian Empire a great feast. God, however, is the greatest king and therefore deserving of greater honor than any other king on earth. He receives of our tithe and he gives of our tithe. Tithing is about honoring God as our king. It's another application of the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The people of Israel are to claim the name of the Lord as their king. They must demonstrate this by giving back to him. He is the one who has created us so that we have life and breath, so that we have the ability to enjoy creation. And for Israel, there was the added reality that God had brought her out of the land of Egypt and up to the promised land. The tithe is a recognition that God is the one who has done great things for Israel. The instructions on tithing here begin with the necessity of tithing. You must tithe, emphasizing the importance of God's people recognizing God, as the giver of all they have. They demonstrate, they show that by giving back to him. The focus of this passage, however, moves quickly from the necessity of tithing to the use of the tithe to celebrate the festival of God. The people of Israel are encouraged to use a portion of their tithe to feast before the Lord in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The tithe is connected to the third commandment, lifting up God's name through how you use your money. The feast from the tithe connects to the fourth commandment, the command to rest on the Sabbath day. In this way, the honoring of God's name connects to resting in God's salvation. I bring you the word of the Lord under the theme. The king gives a feast to his people from the gifts of his people first we're going to see israel's tithe second we're going to see our tithe it's helpful to remember the big picture in deuteronomy for a moment around 1500 years before christ god saved israel from slavery in the land of egypt the people of israel are descendants of abraham The man whom God promised the land of what we call Israel today. God is keeping that promise to Israel now. God is the king who not only created the world, but has given the enslaved Israel freedom. And here in Deuteronomy, he is making and confirming his covenant with this freed people The people of Israel owe him as their savior, their allegiance. He calls upon Israel to tithe, not because he needs their possessions. He created the world. But so that Israel, for the sake of Israel, so that she may remember that God is king. What is the tithe? The tithe is a tenth of everything that is added to your wealth. Over the course of a year, it's like an income tax. Israel, who tithed actual produce, was also commanded to make sure the tithe was the best part of their produce, not the bruised, sickly, or rotten parts of their produce. Verse 22 commands, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. We know from Numbers 18 that this tithe is used to support the Levites, and through the Levites, the priest. The command here is quite strong. It could be translated, you must tithe. Now, why would a God who owns all things emphasize the importance of tithing? There are two reasons. The first is so that Israel would remember who their God is. The practice of tithing implicitly recognizes that the one who I am giving to has greater authority than I do. I am demonstrating, not just with words, but in my actions, that I recognize God as king. The second reason is more pragmatic. So that God could support the priests and the Levites whom he had dedicated to himself as household servants. They're serving in the household of Israel. The priests and the Levites were to engage in training future generations of Israelites in living before the Lord. So in the end, the second reason supports the first reason. The priests and the Levites trained the Israelites in remembering who God is. Now, it's actually somewhat difficult to figure out what the tithing system in Israel actually was. Some people think that there were three tithes in Israel. A Levitical tithe, a tithe for the Levites, a feast tithe, which we read about in Deuteronomy, and a poor tithe. Now, this is highly unlikely, particularly in light of God's concern not to burden his people. While a rich household could do something like that, Poor households would have a tough time without 30% of their income every year. Instead, Deuteronomy 14 is probably building off of what God has already taught the Israelites about tithing, what we read in Numbers 18, and also there's a section on tithing in Leviticus 27. In those passages, God is instructing Israel on what tithing will look like in the wilderness— In Deuteronomy, God is focused on what tithing will look like in the future, in the promised land. God is giving instruction on the various uses of the tithe throughout the opening books of Scripture. And the passage quickly goes from the command to tithe to what God expects Israel to do with a portion of that tithe. Verse 23 They are to bring the tithe before the Lord their God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there. So they are to bring the tithe year by year to Jerusalem. We're told in Deuteronomy 16 that Israelite men are to appear before God three times a year. And they are not to appear empty-handed. They may take a vow offering, a free will offering, or their tithe. Each time, they bring gifts to their king. It's likely that this passage here is about the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths, which, which was celebrated after the full harvest was brought in. And at that feast, God gives some of that tithe back for the people of Israel to feast before the Lord. Verse 23 again, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine and of your oil, and of the firstborn of your herd and flock. We don't really need to worry about the support of the priests and the Levites here. The Israelites are not going to eat the whole of their tithe people have figured out based on the numbers in the book of numbers that if the average income per adult male in Israel or the average income per adult male in Israel was worth about 10,000 a year the levites would have had around 50,000 a year and the salary for Aaron's household would have been at least half a million and that means that there would have been plenty of room to use part of the tithe as a feast And again, another part of the tithe to support the poor among them. God knows that the Levites will be well taken care of through his tithe. And so he gives a portion of it back to the people of God for his festival. And we are told the point of giving a portion of the tithe back to the people of God. It is so they might learn to fear the Lord their God always. God lets them eat of the tithe so that they might fear him. How do gifts from the Lord bring about the fear of the Lord? It teaches the Israelites that God is both powerful and good. God must be treated with all the respect of a king and more. But Israel now also knows that God is a good king. They can trust, for example, that he will answer their prayers. That he will not despise their pleas. This powerful king is both almighty, absolutely powerful, and at the same time, he demonstrates his overflowing love for the people of God by providing them with a feast from the tithe that properly belongs to him. The overflowing goodness of God causes his people to fear him because they see the kindness and closeness of the holy God who is far above them. He is actually a part of their life and he cares for their human needs. God also shows his goodness in considering the needs of those who live far away from the place where God will put his name. In the wilderness, you could redeem your tithe by adding 20% of its value. But now that a lot of people will live a fair ways from what will be the temple in Jerusalem, God allows them to redeem their tithe for equal value. Verses 24 and 25 say, and if the way is too long for you so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses. And just as those who are close may eat of the tithe, so those who are far may use a portion of the tithe to celebrate before the Lord. And spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or sheep. Or wine, or strong drink, which is beer, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and rejoice you and your household. Again, the Lord shows his goodness to those who come from afar, just as those who are close to the temple. And God shows his concern here for the Levite in verse 27. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. God demonstrates his goodness once again. The warning here is well taken. Even though God has made sure that the Levites will be well taken care of, the people of Israel, like any children, are well able to find the loopholes and the laws about tithing. The warning about boiling a kid in its mother's milk applies. Don't use the law to destroy people. Don't use the law to destroy the sons of God. If the Israelites fail to tithe, or fool around with the structure of tithing, or try to use all the money from the tithe on expensive goods, they ultimately forget about the Levites who do not have an inheritance with the people of Israel. God has devoted the Levites to himself, and he wants to ensure that they receive what they need. That is part of the honor that is due to God. With that in mind, God makes a provision in the final verses of our text with the Levites, especially the Levites that live far away from Jerusalem, and the poor in mind. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled. So every third year, the Israelites don't bring the tithe to Jerusalem. Instead, God wants that portion to go to the Levites, and beyond that, for the poor, ...and the widow that live among the Israelites. The reason that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. God wants his people to care for the poor. Even as as he has cared for poor Israel, they will have his blessing. That means that caring for the poor as well as caring for the Levite... ...and others who have disadvantages in Israel may well mean more than just the tithe. And if you look through the Bible, there's a lot more giving than the tithe. There's the free will offerings. There's freely giving to the poor in your neighborhood. God loves those who care for the poor, as we see in Psalm 41. So that brings us to our second point, our tithe. Now, how does this all apply to us? I think we can see the general applications. God is our King too. He has brought us from the domain of sin to the domain of Christ. We owe Him our allegiance. He has put His name upon us in Jesus Christ and being redeemed by Him, we owe Him everything. And in our giving, God wants us. To care about the poor among us. For that's the nature of the kingdom of God. It is a kingdom where God provides his people with what they need. And he provides it through the congregation of God. Like all the commands of God, the call to give of ourselves deepens in the New Testament. In Christ, there's a deepened sense of closeness to God. There's also a deepened sense of the fear of God. Christ's call in Luke 14 captures the depth of this call. So therefore, if any one of you who does not renounce all cannot be my disciple, you must renounce all to be Jesus' disciple. How do we understand that phrase? Does that mean Christians, or at least really good Christians, need to come to a point where they are willing to renounce everything and live the rest of their lives as monks? That's not what Jesus is referring to here. It's helpful to think of this in terms of the Levites in the land of Israel. The Levites' inheritance was God. They had no inheritance in the land of Israel. In a sense, Christ lives up all Christians to the status of Levites, even priests. That means that Christians have no inheritance in the things of this earth. Their inheritance is Christ Himself. We can think of Christ's words store up your treasures in heaven. That's everything few things demonstrate this better than the lord's supper here we taste and see christ himself we renounce everything and in turn christ gives back to us the spiritual benefits the inheritance of the festival of the supper that changes the way we look at physical possessions the point of this call is to renounce everything is about a hard attitude we must hold lightly to our possessions, because our inheritance is in Christ. For years, God may allow us to keep our resources, but then he will bring the test. Perhaps he will increase the number of of poor among us, or drug addicts, or other disadvantaged people, in order to test our willingness to give of ourselves. Perhaps it will be direct persecution, and the question will be, do you hold to God, or do you hold to your possessions? We're called to prepare our hearts for these things. Christ calls us to use our lives as living sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom. That includes everything I am and everything I own. The tithe then applies not just to physical resources, but the way in which I give of my time and my spiritual and emotional gifts to the church of God. That's why Christ jumps from this call to our role as salt in the earth. You notice that? The call to renounce everything. And then right away, Christ talks about why you are salt. If we do not dedicate ourselves for the sake of his kingdom, we're not truly salt. We're thrown out because without good works, we are tasteless. Now, that doesn't mean we all need to be pastors, It does mean that in whatever job or role I have, that job or role is kingdom work. That's the big picture of how we understand the tithe as applied today. Within the new priesthood that is fully dedicated to Christ, the question remains, are Christians obligated to give to the church 10% of their income? Is the tithe part of the law order of the old testament or is the tithe also part of the law of christ the law order of the spirit now the tithe is connected to the sacrificial system of the old testament it's connected to supporting the priesthood within the promised land it's embedded into the mosaic order And that means that it's most likely part of what is abrogated on the cross of Christ. And I say likely because many good Reformed men disagree on the question of the tithe. Somebody like Calvin, it seems to be uncertain, even contradictory, on how it applies to the church today. At the same time... Regularly giving a tenth of our increase should not be a burden for the people of God who have been given everything in Christ. The Belgic Confession, Article 25, says, We wisely order ourselves according to the laws that are given in the Old Testament. According, especially, to the principles of those laws. This is a gift of God, these law, this law, is a gift of God for the order of church, of the church, now understood through what God has done in Christ. So it's good to give 10 percent as a baseline to support the ministry of the church and the poor within the church. It's good to give as we are able, recognizing that we belong to a God who is overflowing with goodness we are called to renounce all giving 10% to the church is only a small beginning God does not take it lightly when the church does not when the church fails to give of herself in the scriptures the punishment fits the crime when the church fails to give the church loses what she already has We often complain about a state that has taken over so many areas of life and a state that continues to raise taxes. We may forget that part of the problem may be a failure of the church body to freely share of her wealth and her time, all her blessings with those around her. Perhaps in some cases, yes, the church gave a portion of money, But they never invested themselves into the kingdom of God. Remember God's words to Abraham You are blessed. God shows his favor to you to be a blessing. But let's not forget the whole purpose of the tithe here as we discuss the details of its application. The tithe is to bring, God is using the tithe in Deuteronomy to bring the congregation of God together, to provide for those who minister to the congregation of God and to care for the poor. I think we've got the sense that it's about a lot more than mere money. The focus here in Deuteronomy 14, so that we may freely join the feast of God at Mount Zion including the poor, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. The feast is a symbol of the goodness and the unity that the tithe brings to the people of God. God uses the tithe for the sake of the rest of the people of God. All glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing in response from Psalm 118, Psalm 118, verses 7 and 8.